Hey guys, and welcome back. If you're new here, my name is Amanda, and I'm a high schooler from Wisconsin. And I'm doing a criminal justice reform slash information series here on Sincerely Z. Um, you can check out the first few episodes. They're already up. And today we are going to be talking about prison conditions and unethical prison labor. So let's kind of skip the intro and just get straight into it. So today I'm going to break it up into three different categories and I'm going to start with women's prisons. Then we're going to talk about general population, um, sort of things that apply to every prisoner. And then we are going to talk about solitary confinement. Starting with women's prisons, so I just want to do like a preface before I get into these, um, like the statistics and information. So first of all, when I talk about um, women's prisons and kind of break this up by gender, I am in no way um, like downplaying or minimizing or not acknowledging different struggles of men or not even non-binary people. Um, I really just want to shed light on... Um, women and what they go through in prison um not to downplay anybody else but I just feel that there's not enough discussion around some of the abuse and trauma that goes on within women's prisons and I just wanted to take some time today to kind of highlight that and point that out um but I'm not trying to minimize anybody else's struggles or pain or trauma that they've gone through um or make generalizations about gender, but I just think it's really important to talk about women and women in prisons because I don't think that it's done enough. So, um, but yeah, I just wanted to put that preface in there before I jumped into it. Um, so again, sorry, I know you guys are like, get to the point, but um, usually if you've listened to this series before, you know that I really try to get an interview in um, just to kind of hear the human aspect of these stories because so often we hear statistics um, and it's really hard to imagine real people and humanize these struggles that people go through. But unfortunately, I was unable to find anybody to interview for this episode, but I did want to recommend a YouTube channel. It is Christina Randall. Um, she is incredible. She is so intelligent. Um, a lot of her information and stories are incredible and powerful. And I definitely recommend watching her just to get that human aspect of um, incarceration and prison. I think it's really important because I could sit here and talk to you guys about statistics all day. But, I mean, the human stories and aspects are really what matters. So I definitely recommend listening to her if you ever get a chance because she's incredible. Unfortunately, orange is the new black is not a reality for most women behind bars. So according to the Prison Policy Initiative, 133 out of every 100,000 uh, women are incarcerated in the United States. So I could not find an exact number of how many women were behind bars and I didn't want to get anything wrong or be misleading, but I know for a fact that that statistic is true. Um, so that kind of paints a picture of how many women are behind bars. Um, in addition to that, 62% of those incarcerated women are mothers to children under the age of 18. So that's, um, that's honestly pretty sad. And I know, of course, like some women are behind bars because they did something horrible and they don't deserve to see their children and they don't deserve to like be there for their children and their children deserve better but oftentimes when you read these stories a lot of women were just misunderstood or abused themselves or or you know 
whatever happened and now they can't see their children. Um, there's a coupling statistic that talks about how women are more likely to be held in facilities farther away from their home. Um, I'm going to assume that this is because there are less um, women that are in prison and jail. So that means that there's going to be less facilities for them. Thus, they're going to be further away. Um, so I, I understand it. But also, I mean, that's pretty detrimental for you know, the women that have family or have children, they don't get to see their children. Not only does that affect the woman behind bars, but that also affects their child. Um, assuming that they're behind bars um, for something that's not related to their child or um, if, that, if that makes sense, that pro- might not make any sense, but you guys know what I'm saying, hopefully. Um, in addition to women being further away from their homes when they're in prison, um, that can also be detrimental because... Um, statistically um people who have visitors frequently in prison they do have higher um higher rates of like not committing crimes once they get out of jail because they have that support system women are less likely to have that because they are further away um in addition to that um and just a little bit of a trigger warning i am going to talk about sexual assault for a minute Um, But 48 to 88% of women inmates experience sexual or physical abuse before coming to prison. Most of those women suffer post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, However, very few prisons offer any sort of counseling or assistance with that. And that can also be um, really detrimental because prison, well, yes, oftentimes is supposed to be a place where um, you're paying your debt to society, if you will, but also it's a place of It should be a place, at least in my opinion, of recovery and making change. And that's really hard when you're dealing with trauma that you don't have access to help with. Um, So not only do a lot of these women deal with sexual or physical abuse before even coming in to jail or prisons, um, 70% of corrections officers in women's prisons are male. Um, And many women report being harassed or they are in fear of being harassed by the guards. Um, And I use harassed fairly lightly because a lot of women experience way worse than just being harassed. Um, But guards oftentimes will threaten prisoners' children and visitation rights as a means of silencing the women. Um, They also issue rule infraction tickets, which extend women's stays in prison if she speaks out. Um, prisoners who complain are often frequent or, or excuse me are often placed in solitary confinement or administrative segregation um, so just to take a second to debrief that for a little bit I've seen tons of stories where women talk about um, the sexual or the physical abuse that they um, encounter through these corrections officers and again not something that is specific to women but highlighting it in women um the number of guards that have actually been charged for sexual assault is like um less than one percent i'm pretty sure it's very low most corrections officers don't actually get in trouble because they hold this like higher you know um status if you will like behind bars so they feel like they can get away with a lot more and it's really dangerous and detrimental to these people behind bars and it kind of leads to the issue of like these prisoners if they're experiencing some form of violence or something you know who do they go to if the person who's supposed to be like watching over them 
is harassing them. Like, who do they go to? Where do they get help? Moving into women's health. Uh, Women inmates suffer from a variety of treatable diseases such as asthma, diabetes, sickle cell, anemia, anemia, sorry, cancer, um, late-term miscarriages, seizures, um, etc. But they have little to no access to medical care. Um, Sometimes this results in like permanent injury. Um, Yeah, the healthcare in prison is just... It's not healthcare. Like, it, it just, I don't know what else to say. Um, and of course, I'm sure there's probably going to be someone listening to this thinking, well, you know, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. But like, the problem is, and as we, I've tried to express and um, investigate during this um, series, is that a lot of these people behind bars are people, people first. And we lump these you know people who are from bad situations in with these murderers and it's just not fair because a lot of these people in prisons are just moms and dads and sisters and cousins and and people and you know I mean imagine if you had a family member who you know stole as a means of you know living or feeding her family or whatever um and she was behind bar and she needed access to medical care and she couldn't get it because these prisons are so poorly managed. I mean, it's just horrifying and upsetting that we live in a society that treats our our most vulnerable like that. Because if we abuse prisoners while they're in prison, I mean, they're going to get out and they're going to reoffend and they're going to come back and they're going to be more violent. I don't understand why having this like you know, caring attitude towards people who have done wrong is is so horrid. And I'm not I'm not saying like everybody in prison is innocent or or whatever. You know, we have prisons for a reason. They're just ran really poorly right now and need some serious changes. And that starts with um, giving women access to medical care, giving all prisoners access to medical care. But along that same line, women are shackled when they give birth in jail and this is one of the most horrifying things. I mean, just to name a couple, right? But this is one of the most horrifying things that I think American prisons, um, that they do. Um, but again, I saw a story um, that talked about a woman who gave birth in, in um, jail. And it was, a, it was horrifying. I mean, to hear um, you're shackled, oftentimes for days. Um, you're only allowed to hold your baby for a couple minutes. Um But yeah, shackling women during labor may cause complications during delivery, such as hemorrhage or um, a decrease in fetal heartbeat. Um, Honestly, it's just so disgusting and inhumane that we still do that. Um, Because pretty much no matter the situation, no woman deserves to be shackled when they're giving birth. I mean, giving birth is uncomfortable enough. Now you're going to shackle a woman and force her to do most of her labor like by herself. And then like, it's it's horrible if you want to learn more there's definitely tons of stories out there but it's just one of the worst things that we do to women in prisons um in addition to that speaking of reproductive care um women are also forced to pay for their own tampons um and they're only provided with a few pads every single month um so the problem with that is well a i mean people don't choose to have periods but b um most women go through more than a couple pads 
every single month. But also, um, the daily wage for an inmate is daily. I mean, like, in a day, not hourly, daily wage is $3.45. So, imagine you make $3.45 every single day that you work, and you're not working every day. Um, And you have to buy, you know, tampons or pads or whatever. But the inflation inside of prisons, like inside of the canteen, which is where you buy things, the inflation goes up at the same rate that it goes up outside of prison. So it costs, what, like fifth, like like 10 bucks to buy like a box of tampons. It's going to cost the same in prison, even though they're making significantly less and don't have access to the same resources. So um, reproductive care in prisons is also something that's very important and oftentimes mislooked and and mismanaged and women deserve the right to either a at least be paid a livable wage so that they can afford if if they want to use tampons or whatever or um they should be provided with what they need now let's make a segue into the general population of prisons or jails. Um, sorry, in this episode, I'm definitely using the words jails and prison interchangeably. Um, they are not interchangeable, so I'm sorry if that's confusing um, to people. But anyway, so let's kind of switch directions and talk about the general population um, in prison. So this refers to everyone, every prisoner across the board, generally speaking. So Obviously, prisons and jails shouldn't be this place that's luxurious or glamorous. I understand that. But basic human rights should still exist. Um, The first and most obvious issue that we have in prisons, and I've talked about this before, is overcrowding. We have way too many people in jail. Um, A, we should stop arresting people and putting people in jail for petty crimes, um, period. Um, But also... Um, we should end cash bail, but anyways, not talking about solutions right now, but, um, prisons in America are, or in the United States are extremely overcrowded, and in 17 U.S. states, the prison facilities hold more captives than their maximum capacity, so I know I heard this one story, and I can't for the life of me remember where this was, but they had, like, it was a prison I believe I really want to say that it was in Missouri but I don't I don't know for sure and they had like four four people sleeping in a room and um there was only like they were all like on top of each other like some of them were like sharing twin-sized beds like it was horrifying like why you wouldn't just let them out I I don't know like obviously depending on what they did but I highly doubt there's that many people behind bars that committed these violent crimes but anyways so at one point the situation of overcrowding in jails has or had become so dire that in california one prisoner was losing their life almost every single day due to medical neglect um so i have this statistic from an old um research paper that i did and i can't find the exact um like, place where I I got that statistic. Granted, I didn't look very hard, but, um, so if anyone wants to fact check me on that, you definitely can, but, yeah, so one prisoner every single day was dying in California due to medical neglect, which, given what I have, what I was just talking about with, um, women's healthcare, 
and it's also the same any healthcare, you know, behind bars. Um, it's just horribly neglectful. So that that statistic, as horrifying as and disappointing it is, like it it makes sense, given you know how how prisoners are treated. Um, also, rates of prisoner on prisoner violence have roughly doubled in the states over the past five years. Um, with a homicide with a homicide rate of eight times the national average, so you're eight times more likely to be killed in jail than outside of jail, which I guess kind of makes sense, but I mean barely because shouldn't there be like guards that are helping people and all these other things like prison shouldn't be a place of more violence it should be a place to kind of end violence like that doesn't really make sense at all but um Yeah, prisoners all across the board face horrid levels of abuse from corrections officers, and they're oftentimes neglected, um, whether that be um, medical neglect or um, mental health neglect. That's huge. Um, whatever, whatever it is, um, I read a I read a story that talked about like I think it was one hundred prisons across the country. Could be wrong about that, but they had like mold. Um, in their prisons and it was like affecting the corrections officers and the prisoners and a lot of people were getting sick because of it um but yeah also in Alabama there is a pending um court case right now and they're suing the corrections um like the corrections uh facility I forget the name of the corrections facility but um in this um one In Alabama, there is a pending court case um, towards their prison system. So the Alabama Correctional um, Institution, Correctional, like basically the Alabama prison system. They're, I think it might be the ACLU, but someone's suing them because, and there are 2,000 different images of um, prisoner abuse um, from corrections officers. So, and I believe that was over like a, relatively short period of time like but I know that I know that I read some of the information on the court case and it was horrifying like just absolutely like I I cried what like looking through it um I'm also just like super super passionate about this obviously but like it's just horrible to see these people who I firmly believe have been neglected from the by the system since day one um and this is generally speaking like I know I've said this a million times but like I do 100% acknowledge there are bad people in prison I know that I acknowledge that and I'm not talking about those people um but I'm talking about a vast majority of these prisoners who grew up in lower income neighborhoods um who didn't have access to the kind of like schooling that other people had like I okay going off on a tangent but I work at um like a pizza chain and um like one of my managers like tells me stories about some of his friends and situations that his friends has, have like gotten into and um I just think like if they were wealthy or if they were in a different situation in their life like they wouldn't be forced to go through that 
you know, and that plays a big role into why a lot of people are incarcerated. And I think by not, you know, funding our schools better and by not, you know, actively trying to push against redlining and fix redlining and and do all these things without doing that. I mean, we're essentially just shipping people off to prison and, and off to jails and and so, no, I don't really subscribe to this narrative of, oh, well, don't do the time if you, you know, or don't do the crime if you can't do the time, because that's oftentimes just ignores the truth of what goes on behind bars and why people are there. And when we don't try to fix our systems from the bottom up, we end up with a criminal justice system like we have now, which is inhumane, ineffective, overcrowded. And it's just not fair at all. And it makes me angry and it makes me upset and it makes me want to cry because it's ridiculous that we live in one of the richest countries in the world and we can't even have any form of like compassion towards our most vulnerable. You know, I mean, a lot of people will say that they're, you know, pro-life or whatever, but I mean, what about the kids who don't have access to equal education? Like, what about the kids who, you know like don't don't grow up like having a reliable meal what about the kids like it just it's just this endless cycle like I believe it's 36 percent of kids in um the United States grow up under the poverty line that's a huge amount for a country that is the one of the richest countries in the developed world like it makes no sense it makes no sense and it makes me infuriated So a lot of these problems are, like, a lot of these people are there as a result of the system failing them from when they were young. And then they're disenfranchised as adults, so they can't vote. And it's infuriating, and it's angering, and, and we need change, and we need it now. I mean, this is no longer something that we should just, you know, not think about or, you know, sort of... It's like the lock and key, like, you know, they arrest prisoners and they lock them up and they never get out. And it's not fair. And I'm, I'm sick of it. And it, it's one of the worst things that America is continuing, the United States continues to do. I mean, it, it just never stops. And we need progressive change with our, with our criminal justice system. And we need progressive change with our schools and with our neighborhoods and with everything. And people just need to have that conversation, and we don't have it enough. And I think one of the biggest problems, and this is something that I didn't actually know until I started researching um, for this episode, was that the United States actually has no independent national agency that monitors prison conditions. So there's nobody that's in charge of, like, making sure that, you know, the prisons are run um, humanely and safely and, you know, all of that. And I know, you know, shout out to us Wisconsinites, um, our old governor, ugh, don't even want to say his name. He, um, he never once toured in a, a jail or a prison or like any sort of correctional facility ever once. And he was governor for like a long time. And he never once even like looked into it. And, um, it's pretty bad because, we need criminal justice reform and we need progressive criminal justice reform. So I think every single politician or anybody should be looking into it. Um, so that's one place where I think that we should start definitely is I know that the, they've had like 
proposals for a bill and it's been like shot down so many times but like we need a national agency that looks over prison conditions we need that and I, I didn't even know that we didn't have that until today so baby steps in the right direction except for that doesn't work anymore and we need drastic change but yeah so in short the prison conditions in um the united states are horrible and inhumane and are in desperate need of changing i guess one little anecdote that i will share um when i was um i don't know i must have been like 12 i went to alcatraz and if you don't know what alcatraz is it's like that jail or prison or whatever that's on a yeah prison that's on a rock in like the middle of the san francisco bay and it was like the most infamous you know whatever um, it was where, like, the most infamous um, prisoners went. And um, even though I'm pretty sure, like, I haven't really done much research on it besides when I went when I was, like, 12. But, like, I'm pretty sure that a lot of the people that went there were decently wealthy, like, white-collar people. But regardless, like, I remember walking around and not really feeling, like, scared or feeling like it was this, like jail it I don't know if I'm making sense but like when I you know when you think of modern day jail and a lot of that is the media but I mean a lot of that is reality our jails are so much more scary now and um violent and um like mis um sort of like not not maintained very well and, and dirty and I mean, people are living there, and, you know, it's like that, and to me, that's just kind of scary, Um, but also kind of evidence of this progression that we haven't always been this, like, heartless, you know, society that doesn't care about prisoners, and I don't really know if this anecdote is making any sense, but basically what I'm trying to say is that when I went to Alcatraz, it was not at all like prisoners like prisons today um prisons today are much more overcrowded and much more scary and violent and divisive and all all those things and so it's not like this change comes out of nowhere like we we can do it again and it needs to happen and also it kind of shows like the difference of how we treat lower income or, like, poorer criminals versus wealthy criminals. There's definitely a big difference there. Um, anyways, so that's kind of my little anecdote for that. Last but not least, we are going to talk about solitary confinement. So I promise this segment will be a lot shorter than the first two because um, there's really not much to say about solitary confinement. Um besides the fact that I'm shocked that we still use it. But anyways, um, so I'm sure that general population sounds horrible and inhumane, um, which it is. But the problem gets a whole lot worse when you're put in a cell by yourself. Um, So in my criminal justice class, we watched this video. Um, I took criminal justice my sophomore year. And so in that class, we watched a video about um, solitary confinement. And in the video, there were men um, who were literally 
um, like, like cutting open their own arteries. Um, sorry, I know that's like pretty, like violent, but that's literally what was happening. Um, so that they could get out of solitary confinement, so that they could see a doctor and get like help, because, um, they said that it was that it would just drove them crazy, and so they would like rather die, than like stay in there, and it, it was absolutely horrid watching these videos of these men being in this cage um so basically solitary confinement if you don't know so it's 24 hours or 23 hours a day locked in a cell by yourself and then for one hour a day you get to go outside and you would think like oh like you know you just get to go outside but actually you just get like a cage it's like if you've ever seen, this is such a weird comparison, but if you've ever seen Tiger King, and or, like, if you've ever been to any sort of, like, zoo, which I hate zoos, but that's for a different time. But if you've ever seen, like, those, like, really, like, skinny, like, small metal cages, that's, so they're inside their cell by themselves 23 hours a day, and they get one hour to walk back and forth in this, like, tiny metal, like, cage. Um, Yeah. So, the United Nations Special Report on Torture, Juan E. Mendez, actually did a study on solitary confinement and um, also specific to, not specific to the United States, but he also did part of his research in the United States um, with our use of solitary confinement. But um, he deemed that the prolo- that prolonged solitary confinement is a form of torture and the United Nations Mandela rules dictate that it should never be used um, when, quote, anyone is under the age of 18 if they are mentally or physically dis- disabled or if they have any sort of illness um, or for anybody under any circumstances for longer than 15 days, um, which I think the average stay for solitary confinement is like a year in the United States. However long it is, like, people are in solitary confinement for a long time in the United States. Like, definitely longer than 15 days. Um, but the effects of being in solitary confinement include anxiety, panic, rage, paranoia, um, hallucinations, and um, in some cases, uh, suicide. And there have been tons of cases where people have come out of solitary confinement and either taken their own lives or been completely, like, mentally unable to um, reintegrate back into society because that's how horrible it is. I mean, imagine sitting in a cement block for 23 hours and then walking back and forth in a cage for one hour. I mean, that's just bound to, like, drive you absolutely crazy. Um, and, and when we watched the video in Criminal Justice, like, they showed these men, like, getting so angry and, like, screaming and, like, banging on the doors. And, like I said, like, committing, like, different forms of self-harm because they were so just, like, sick of it in there. Um, but also the special report on torture from the United Nations um, said that the United States uses solitary confinement more excessively than any other country for longer periods and fewer guarantees. So what he's saying there is that like it doesn't it's not effective. It's not as effective in the United States versus everywhere else. Um it's also used more often and, and less regulated. Um so yeah definitely one of the things that we need to do is either end which I think end solitary confinement, but um, 
or at least get some reform like can't you know you shouldn't be allowed you shouldn't be able to be in there for like years um I mean, if, if the United Nations dictates it, as, dictates it as torture, why do we still do it? I think it's just the, the overarching question. And if you guys made it this far and listened to all of this, thank you so much. Um, I'm sorry that this episode was um, a little bit more deep and dark than most of my other episodes. Um, and I appreciate you guys for listening to this. Um, We just really need to hear these stories and have these conversations because, as you can tell, the United States is in desperate need for some criminal justice reform. And thank you guys so much for taking the time to learn about this and to listen and and be ready to have this fight. Um, It's definitely appreciated. And, um, yeah, thank you guys so much. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.